0: Welcome to PermaWeb Pioneers. We feature individuals, companies, projects, and more building on the PermaWeb, a global, decentralized, and community-owned web built on top of our weave. The hosts of this podcast and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own. Nothing discussed on this podcast can be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This podcast is solely for entertainment and informational purposes. In this episode of the PermaWeb Web Pioneers, I'm speaking with co-founder and engineer of Mason.network, Sherlock Shi. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, Mason Network, I think, can be described as a bandwidth trading platform built on blockchain technology and basically utilizes idle bandwidth and space from distributed servers worldwide. And those that provide servers then get tokens as rewards. And this whole service, this content deliver- delivery network, the CDN, also speeds up the streaming of media. Is that accurate? And how do you share what Mason does? For sure. <clears throat> um,
1: so actually, Mason is uh, building the bandwidth marketplace. Uh, so you, you you can uh I don't know how's the background of our audience, but if you have any uh, idea about technology, you well, know there are three kinds of uh, info resources like computation, uh, storage, and bandwidth. So like just like we are in the uh, permaweb Web Pioneers, we are using the bandwidth to talk with each other. And then uh, the model we use is we use a token to uh, incentivize the long tail and the end users so that they can uh, follow the protocol, follow standard to join our marketplace and to trade their resources. And for people who need this, they can also go to our marketplace to use resources. So this is just the definition. So let let me give you more details about that part.
0: Okay, great. Just before you go into those details, what are some of the benefits to Mason's delivery of software, like not having a traditional sales role to orient the offering of bandwidth, can you share a bit about that?
1: We noticed there are two problems existed in the real world. So the first, uh, I will call it actually that the human problem or the sales model problem. So. Nowadays, the uh, infrastructure, which, which well, maybe they are telecom, AT T or Sprint, or maybe they are the cloud service provider like Amazon, like Google, like uh, Cloudflare, Akamai, and then, or, or maybe they are just like the the middleman who has uh connect each other. So let's see how the resources be used uh right now. So for example, if you have the resources and the people or the team, the sales, sales, sales people from the Amazon, they going to have a, try to have a call, have a meeting with you and you will sign a contract and then you're going to make a deal. So the model is much like the top down model. Uh, when you try to open a new market, you need to hire like 10 or hundred or maybe thousands of salesperson team to open the market one by one. Right. And then you know this model works pretty pretty well for the past maybe 10 to even 20 years cost if, if you are people you are a person you, you try to integrate resources you only target the the uh, users or the clients who has uh, at least has has crossed the threshold so you will you know uh, if 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 you sign a contract it will give you a much more uh, even huge revenue but let's see if you are just a small user or or maybe you are just a long tail users, so the people from the sales teams they don't want to like uh, meeting with you for one hour or, or even have a dinner or have a, a have coffee together, cause it just waste their time, right? Cause if they just make this deal, they only can take them back maybe uh, five hundred to one thousand dollars as revenue. It's waste time. Right, humans, human cost, labor cost is very huge, but let's think different. If we can find a way to, uh, union like hundreds or thousands of people, maybe they are long tail, maybe not. Together, and then the sales team will be very happy to talk with the representative, uh, representative of these entities, right? And then they may, they may, maybe maybe will spend one week to talk with you to to integrate you into their system. So this is the first problem we noticed, it's called human also a sales model problem.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now on the, on the topic of like why build this on blockchain from a resource standpoint, can you share maybe some background and why you think that blockchain technology is ideal for offering bandwidth?
1: Let's start from the electricity and also the POW part. When was uh, doing the mining pool, a POW crypto mining pool before? So lots of people will, will say, uh, "POW proof work is just waste of energy. It's just uh, you are doing the useless uh, jobs to to calculate some uh, cryptographic problems." But but the, actually you need to see the things behind them, yes. You know, behind them is the electricity or the energy, right? So the world energy, or well, the world electricity uh, for now is distributed. And you can see one situation is, for example, if you are in a very uh, extremely developed cities, well, you will are, you are consume huge amount of the electricity. But if you are in another place, for example, if you are an island, an island is, uh, they have lots of energy, electricity come from the sea or come from the sunshine. So uh, apart from they have fulfilled their own national needs, the rest of them just wasted. Right. So if you come to some uh, countries or some cities which has huge resources of the water, they can use water to generate electricity in summer, but they can't like transfer or convey this electricity to another city or very far away city, which actually is the heavy cost of the electricity. So this is the problem of asymmetry of electricity. And for now, how to solve it? Uh people are very smart. People said, okay, we can use battery, right? If we can't consume the electricity very fastly, uh we can have some like uh conversion ratio, but we, we can store it in the battery and then we can just uh, transfer or convey the battery to another place. So for example, like EV or, or like any other place, you can, you can just use this battery to uh, use the uh, semi free electricity, but it's very hard, right? Battery is a very hard. Problem. That's the first. Second, uh, you, you will, it will cost you a huge amount of money to transfer the electricity between uh, like two con- continents or even like two countries. So most of time, electricity gonna be used in the local place. Uh, but then what, what POW uh, offer to the world is, they help you to solve the electricity asymmetry. How? Let's think it, Uh, energy is very hard. Electricity is very hard to store, but with the help of AC machines, with help of POW uh, mechanism, you can change the, or you can convert electricity to the currency. What what currency? If you if you mine Bitcoin, it's called Bitcoin. If if you use the GPUs, so you mine series, it's called ETH, right? So, currency is very easy to store and very easy to like to trade. And you can use these currencies to buy more electricity, and you can use these currencies to buy more any other, for example, goods or anything else.
0: It's definitely fascinating thinking about the asymmetry of energy distribution and electricity. To bring it back to bandwidth, how does this relate and kind of make sense in connecting with Mason or Mison network?
1: This is probably existing for the electricity and also the bandwidth. They are quite like electricity. They have two, two features here. The first is called, uh, it's very hard for them to store the bandwidth. So bandwidth is uh, uh instinct resources. For example, in this one hour, you can use the whole bandwidth or, or not. And then if you can't fully utilize them, the rest of them just wasted. That that's the first problem. The second is uh, bandwidth is hard to to uh serve a, a, another country or a far long away because if you, for example, if you are based in the, uh, in the West Coast and San Francisco, you, you have the bandwidth unutilized. You can't use these bandwidths to serve, for example, to, to, to the Russia, right? Or to maybe the uh, West Europe countries. So most of the time you can just use these bandwidths to serve the, uh, the you, you can serve the AOA, you can serve the San Francisco, you can serve these cities, but you can't serve too far away place. And then in other, in other countries, well, they they extremely need a bandwidth to fulfill their uh, requirements, fulfill their, their activities. So they have to pay more money for their, like they go to the internet, right? So this is also the bandwidth asymmetry problem.
0: Okay, got it. So bandwidth asymmetry, how it relates to energy asymmetry, now what is the solution or how do you envision Misan network solving or improving these things in a really big way to go massive
1: uh we notice one thing if you still using the human to solve the problem right you you can use human to uh to sign a contract to make a deal one by one and country by country. I think we we can make something, but we can make something really big. The, the really big means uh, if you build a very successful like projects or companies, uh, the model you use is using human to incentivize all the system, then uh, you, you just build maybe another Amazon, another Google. And if you are very lucky, you can just close to them, but you can never uh, overcome them. So. The, the point is if you want to build something which can be much bigger than AWS and Google and each end of the telecom and make them all in your ecosystem or in your system architecture you need to find a different model and our model is protocol which is in, which is inspired by the crypto world especially when I was uh, doing the uh, when I was developing the, the uh, mining pool system you know In most of uh, crypto mining projects, uh, they actually already use a new model called bottom-up model, right? Compared with the uh, the previous top-down model. The bottom-up model is you just give the rights to all of your users. You just give them, you tell them, okay, what's the standard? What's the protocol, right? And anyone who has the resources, who have met the requirements, you can uh, obey the protocol and join the network. So that's how bitcoin comes, right? I don't care Uh, what's your electricity come from for example you 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 come from the the sunshine you 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 have the uh, you you are close to the middle of the earth, so you have lots of sunshine resources. you can use the electricity to do the bitcoin mining and also maybe you are just from the Uh, from an island, right? So you can use the overseas, you can use the seas to generate electricity and to uh, do the crypto mining. And it's okay, because, you know, the world can't fully utilize the whole electricity and the whole energy. So Bitcoin is just like a tool. And anywhere, uh, if you are based in a country, you are are, are just, uh, for example, a small manager or operator of your company's machines, then you found, wow, well, looks like I can reach some resources which they have the computation uh, and also they have electricity. It's, it's cheaper than, than I can earn from the Bitcoin network. So I can just contribute these resources to the uh, network so I can earn reward. And then for network like Bitcoin or like Ethereum, any, any crypto uh, network, they don't need to care about, okay, how can I reach my miners, right? They don't need to think. Wow, I need to hire a uh, one thousand sales team to uh, build to run in the crypto farm one by one, one country by country, right? They don't need to do that. The only thing they do is they say, "Oh, we have a website. We, we tell you in GitHub, we tell you the protocol, and we just expand to spread this uh, protocol all around the world. Then the magic just happened." Right, so this is very powerful, and also the the things we're going to use in our system.
0: Can you share some of the things that Mison Network is doing to incentivize this offering or sharing of bandwidth? We found uh,
1: we can use the protocol to incentivize the bandwidth all around the world. So just uh, take me for an example. I'm a backend programmer, Uh, and... I, I will I have already rent uh some machines from the cloud service provider. But what how can I monetize my underutilized resources? Right. Uh I can count on okay, some salesperson from the Google will reach me, said, I right, hey Sherlock, I need the resources and I can give you an offer. You you just sign a contract, I, I can I can uh, give you money, you, you just offer me the resources. It can't happen in the right now world. But in the future, I don't need to care about the person. I don't need to think, okay, I, I need to wait for someone to, to, to contact me. The only thing I need to do is I can install a, a open source terminal, which is called Rhino right Commission Terminal, in my machines. And then I can earn the reward from the mission network. So that's all. And then, for example, one week later, I think, okay, I, I need these resources. I, I can offer to the network. Then I can just remove it and to run my normal behaviors. So that that's the power of the protocol and the bottom-up model, that's the first. Uh, second is, just like I mentioned about the two problems existing, the next part is the instant inference resources bandwidth.
0: So from an economic accessibility frame or framework or entry point, how is Misan innovating on that end? Like how is it making it more accessible or easier to pay for these services of bandwidth?
1: The things mission is offering is we can help the world to convert the bandwidth, the infrared resources to the currency, because maybe we call it the mission token, right? So when you use this token, you can use it to buy all around info resources, especially for, for bandwidth, right? So for, example, if you, for the real world right now, if you want to buy the bandwidth, uh, you need to pay in different currencies. You need to pay maybe U.S. dollars, you maybe yeah uh, your Europe, and you need to pay maybe Japanese yen, Chinese, Chinese yen, and it's very hard for you to use one currency to uh, pay for all the resources. But in the future, you don't need to care about that. You say, okay, I can just hold the missing token. And then I know this missing token can help me to use all around resources, no matter it comes from. It comes from the telecom, come from the data center, come from the... Uh, cloud service provider and even come from the very end users and maybe one day it's just come from the starting it's okay right so there's the solutions we uh, offer to the world
0: okay so what are some other benefits that Mison is providing to those that have bandwidth that they want to provide kind of like Airbnb style for bandwidth or, or something like that what, what other benefits are there
1: the next part is uh you, you can very easily to, to find a model is when people have unused bandwidth they say okay uh i can just come to mason this marketplace to trade and then get tokens reward and then when people or company or projects no matter they need a bandwidth they say okay i can first come to mason to use the resources so this that, is going to be the world in future uh come come true and they can use our marketplace and what's the Cross for this mechanism. Uh, actually, we don't need to explore how the infra comes from and what's the constitution for that, right? So if everyday you need to think about, okay, how my infra comes from, where are they? How can I reach them? Should I hire people to to uh, like uh, make connection with them? Well, the answer is you can't make a re- really The world's biggest marketplace for bandwidth, right, with this model. Uh, And the second is from the demand side, you you also don't need to restrict your border for the demand side. So, just like for now, who will use the bandwidth? Uh, It's very easy to think like the streaming media companies, for example, like TikTok, like YouTube, and even like uh, Twitch right, short video, long video, live streaming, uh, downloading, actually these companies, all of them will use the bandwidth. But I think if you just think about, okay, this is my clients, this is my side users, and you try to reach them, well, you can't, you, you don't know what's the next five or 10 or 20 years, how your clients come from, right? And if you make a mistake, you can't get them in your, in your system, you, you will fail.
0: So what is the responsibility on the demand side of this equation? Like, How do you manage all of the demand that may arise um, in general?
1: What's the advantages of our marketplace is? We, we don't care what's the future demand for the or, or the, what's very specific uh, user traits for our demand side. Right, we just only think, okay, we just offer a platform for people to trade the resources. We we can call it the marketplace. Right. So and we just make the protocol standard and make it much more easy for people to use. And then maybe right now streaming media will come to our marketplace to reach resources. And maybe in the future, telecom also said, okay, I can use mission marketplace to trade each other. And Maybe just starting, they said, okay, I can, I can offer my starting resources to the mission network. And people said, oh, if I want to use bandwidth in the space, in the moon, where can I find a platform to use this? Just like the same problem, where can I find the currencies in the moon or in the Mars? Right? No one has built the Swift or the currency system, but maybe Bitcoin can, or maybe the mission build the bandwidth can. So, in that place in the moon, you can still use Bitcoin. And then in the moon, you can still use a mission to gather the infra. Maybe starting to just offer resources to you, or maybe other people just offer it to you, but we, we, we don't know, but you have the chance to get it. And then finally, the two sides are going to trade resources in the platform. So that's the things we're building.
0: Yeah, there's obviously a lot packed into the opportunities and the legacy of energy and the distribution of energy and how that can be translated into into bandwidth and then utilizing protocols to facilitate that exchange as opposed to a, quote unquote, human oriented sales model, which can be hugely costly and slower and not able to be reached for those individuals that aren't offering major bandwidth services um, from their, you know, home setup or something like that. So this is about democratizing opportunity for delivering um, and providing bandwidth to individuals all over the world and in the one format of a, a content delivery network, which of course the CDN's goal is to provide high availability and performance by distributing the service spatially relative to the end users. And so there's there's a ton packed in here um, and I appreciate you sharing that that kind of analogy, even though it's very similar um, you know with with energy and and bandwidth and all of the challenges and opportunities that uh, you know present themselves and the real big prospect of protocols to manage this, you know from what I gather there's about thirty thousand nodes. Is that about accurate today? It should be above this number <laughs> okay okay and my my question is on the growth side, right? Because a lot of things in quote-unquote web3 are created and they don't always get a lot of attention. There isn't always a lot of activity. How have you and the Mison team been able to amass such a large amount of nodes? Can you share about the the growth of Mison network thus far and what what you've been doing to 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 have all these nodes come on the network?
1: Yeah. Uh so we, we, we have started the uh testnet two point five since uh March 2021, last year, yeah. And you know when when we launched this uh version of Testnet, we have no idea how many users or nodes will come to uh will come to our network. Right, so this is, this is a model we used. We, we just offer the protocol and we, maybe we can go to like TechCrunch, the Hacker News, the YC, the, the different news, news platform to tell people, okay, or maybe Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin Magazine or Bitcoin uh, some Forum to tell people, okay, we are building this protocol. And if you are the developer, you are engineer, you can just come to a platform to monetize the resources, right, so that, that's the things we do. And I remember the first, the first week, uh, we launched uh, this version, uh, this that We have around uh, 100 nodes in our network, and it's it's already uh, inspired me a lot because we we just ex- expired zero, but actually, the 100 people just come. And then I remember in uh, August, 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 yeah, yeah, August last year. So uh, we have served. The SolanaRt, which is actually the the SolanaRt is using Arweave for their storage. And uh, during their stage, Arweave still has a few nodes running in their network, right? So when the consumer side, when users really want to retrieve files from Arweave network, it, it can be a nightmare for the ROE gateway, the official gateway, and especially for their nodes, maybe around 100 to 200 nodes in their network, so very hard. And then the problem uh, appeared, it's, it's outage, right? it's just like, looks like the ROE network is uh, with, with all outage, and actually the truth is the gateway outage, and, and the reason is, it's just like a peak usage, right? You, you need to have some resources your capacity need to cover the peak, but they are not prepared for a peak. And also, the nodes in the uh, mining nodes in RWAVE is not incentivized for uh, transferring the data to for delivering data. So, then uh, very lucky, uh, we helped the RWAVE. We also, uh, Sam also uh, contacted us. So, we helped Sam to uh, cover the cost. and. I remember it's around 100 to, to 200 terabytes uh, per day of the traffic. So during that part, people, people finally notice, okay, looks like Mason has a very good performance during that time. You know, we are in testnet. So when, when we try to uh, convince our users your clients, you can give them a benchmark report, but they also don't want to trust you unless you are mainnet and you, you, have, you have very good backers or clients. But then in Solana Art, actually we, we are running our testnet, but the main goal is we, we need to test our mechanism, test our system, test to find any bug and to do the bug shoot. But the Solana Art help us to use the real users, the real production environment to test our testnet. It's we're in testnet, but all resources is in production. So it is very stable and much more stable than most of testnet, but we're very lucky the result is quite good. So during that part we, we remember uh, the nodes has, uh, had come to around fifty fifty k, yeah, fifty k nodes. It's
0: definitely an impressive amount of nodes. Um, when you're reaching up to fifty fifty thousand nodes during that time, and it sounds like Solana art was a a kind of beacon or a signal that wow, this this Misan network really really does its job. What about some details on the actual distribution of these nodes globally, considering it is so important to have these CDNs uh, nearby to to speed up that delivery of of content? Uh, Can you share a bit on that front?
1: Uh, Apart from the nodes, you need to check two parameters here. Uh, The first is the distribution of nodes, right? If all of your nodes come to one country or in one, one area, so it's very hard to fulfill the global usage. And very lucky, we have like we have measured the, the uh, North America, the uh, Europe, and also Asia and other other areas. So they are the result is they are quite like the real world distribution of the network infrastructure, and that's the first. The second is you also need to check the capacity of the network. For example, if you have maybe one node, but your one node has uh, ten ter uh tera bits per second TBPS, wow, well, then you are powerful. But if you have maybe 1 million nodes, but the whole capacity is very small, that's useless. So we also checked the second parameters called capacity. And in August to September, I remember last year, we have around uh, 30 to 40 TBPS for our network capacity. You, you may have no idea about this number. Let me take you an example. So CloudFear, yeah, CloudFear has uh, 100 to 120 Tbps, And Akmai, Akmai has doing this job for more than 20 years or even close to 30 years. Akmai uh, last year has around 300 Tbps. So if we take a, a, a comparison, we have one seventh, uh, yeah, nearly one seventh of the capacity of Akma, and even one third of Cloudflare. And then the, the, the very crazy, Akma this year just doubled their capacity. They they have more double. They have uh, around 800 Tbps this year. So, uh, this is about the nodes. And then the next part is we. I want to share with you how we uh reach this nodes and how we just get them involved. So two points here, first is you need to know we're we in crypto space, right? So we should know, okay, we're very lucky, we, we, we're not in in maybe two or three years ago. So during that stage, FireCoin, R-Wave or any other uh, projects is still in early stage. So the world don't know, okay, what is called Web3 and what is like storage, these start. Decentralized storage, decentralized make bandwidth, central computation. People people have few idea about that part. But when we launch our uh, network, our testnet network, so some projects like Arweave has, has tell the world, and like IPFS protocol, they have tell the world, okay, the world needs some decentralized infrastructure like this, decentralized storage, or decentralized indexing protocol, and also uh, we have much more like. Swarm, Ficoin, uh, Chia, and uh, Skynet. So lots of projects they have they have educated the, the market. They told you, wow, we need something like this. And then finally, when, when problem has emerged, okay, we need a solution to replace part of the Web2 infra. So we are born in that area, and we don't need to care much more about how to educate the market. Well, you need to buy some machines, you need to uh, follow the protocol, you can earn the token as a reward, but we are very directly. We tell, for example, we tell the Swamp uh you can just join us, you can earn more token from a network. And also, for example, we can just tell the Helium network, we tell them, okay, if you want to earn more revenue and you have the resources suitable to our network, you can just join us.
0: So just a, a quick question, like on the marketing side or community development side, what have you been doing, uh, you know, Misan and, and team to get the word out?
1: We have uh, done actually few things in marketing area. You, you can say lots of words in uh, the, the open internet about us and uh, a few marketing jobs, but finally notes just come. And also, the, yeah, a very hard problem we need to solve here is because we're in testnet and we use our uh, 1% of our mainnet token to incentivize for testnet, but it's not quite sustainable because uh, if you just use the testnet token to incentivize on those, and if no one just paid for a network, which just like Ethereum, right? People can, when people want to use Ethereum, they need to pay the gas, gas is you need to buy it in Ethereum. So it's not sustainable. And we know we have a huge capacity of of our nodes, but we can't fully utilize them. For example, if we have 40 tbps, we can't fully utilize the 40. We maybe can use uh, around four to five tbps so that our users will don't consume a lot of resources. But things gonna change when we launch mainnet because when we launch mainnet, uh, our user, our demand side, they need to pay something for the network right? So when they want to use this Network, they need to hold our token and pay for service or they can pay in different ser- uh, tokens. And then this money you can looks like that just like cash flow. So this uh, cash be paid for Network will be uh, rewarded by the people who offer the service to Network. They also call them the miners. So during that part, the, this is going to be more I think sustainable and more healthy uh, than Testnet for now.
0: Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of incentive design and layers to it. You know, your testnet. I think you mentioned your mainnet tokens, you've you've set aside 1% for the testnet. Is that correct?
1: 1%? Yeah, so the whole system, you, know, you can realize a whole whole network. So the whole network has 1% token to incentivize for testnet.
0: Okay. Okay. So you're only using 1% of the tokens to incentivize during testnet, which on the surface, it doesn't sound like much, and it's impressive that there's been so much activity because obviously there's 99% uh, out there in the wild. Obviously, you have investors and and all partners and, of course, team and everything like that. The point is that seems to be a, a relatively small amount for how much activity has occurred in the state of a test net, um, which is pretty dang impressive. Now, I understand you have a lot of early backers into Misan, um, from Permanent Ventures to to Arweave, uh and and so many other individuals and entities that have supported Misan network, and I imagine they're 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 pretty happy with where things are at. Considering you have this incentivized test net with one percent of your tokens, um, when when is that next step? Like. Do you have a date for your mainnet? What can you share about what that looks like and where the team is uh, in that process?
1: Sure. Uh, so I want to share with you two parts here. The first is, uh, actually three parts. The first is about our roadmap. Uh, so we, we have the plan to launch uh, our mainnet in three steps or in three phases. The first stage is called we call it mainnet 1.0. So if you can go to our like dogstone.network, you can you can check our roadmap. Uh the first mainnet was uh is yes, uh based on Ethereum. So you we we can uh, be uh, our token gonna be uh issued on Ethereum, it will be a Yes20 token, which means uh all of the Ethereum infrastructure, like DeFi or anything else or any compound, I don't know. So uh, i'm not sure so you can use all of these infrastructure and to get involved in our network so we call the mainnet 1.0. so but the point is if if ethereum they don't have a much better solution of layer 2 or or if they can solve the problem of their uh high cost in layer 1 area just like you know uh i remember yesterday or the the day before yesterday the optimistic uh the, the op rollout solution they has lost around sorry the number is uh twenty million dollars right in their op uh, in their, uh, in their op tokens so the, the layer two solution right now is still not easy and it makes lots of challenges and also the just like the uh Ethereum 2.0 you know this year Ethereum told us wow it's the it's a big year we're gonna have a very important fog called the Shanghai fork which will uh, convert Ethereum 1.0 to 2.0 era. But (laughs) for now, I have no idea when will they make it happen, right? They need to uh, remove the POW and then go to POS and using the sharding solutions.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of talk about the merge and what some call Ethereum 2.0 and and things like that. Um, What do you foresee in this next phase as you're describing uh, meson and making it more accessible uh, cost wise.
1: I'm not sure when will this happens. So if Ethereum can solve this problem, but MISON can't let our users to uh, to be in such high cost when they have to use Ethereum infra. So in Mainnet 2.0, this stage, we gonna be compatible with all of the evm compatible solutions like. Uh, if, like Polygon, like, uh, actually have also have the VM. R we also have the VM. So if they are evm compatible, maybe Solana also has near, right? So all of the EVN compatible chain, we gonna uh, build the bridges across with them. So people can use alternate token to use our service. They don't only really care about, I have to use one token. And if this token is very expensive, how, how Will it uh, make higher threshold for me to use network? They don't need to care about that. They, they can use as, as as anything that they like. That's a two, mainnet 2.0. And it's going to be heaven after uh, three to six months behind the mainnet
0: 1.0. Okay, got it. And that sounds like it makes sense. And then what is meson 3.0 and what does that include?
1: The next part is maintenance 3.0. It's, it's a much harder problem. So we need to solve the uh, fully uh, run chain by ourselves. Cause you know, bandwidth is actually off-chain resources. So you can always use the on-chain resources to measure the system. So we need to run our own chain, our own uh, layer one or maybe layer two uh, service to hold all the things. And apart- maybe we can, we can Above our wave, it's still okay, and it it's still very uh, quickly and, and useful. And also during that term, we need to make our whole system be available to the not only Web three but also Web two. So, my opinion for the Web three and Web two is uh, they are actually not be, for example, Web three exists, no Web two. The answer is no. So, I, I, in my opinion, the Web three and Web two gonna be coexisted for a very long stage, and. Web 2.0 is very valuable, and they can solve the problem. But also, some service which can be solved in Web 2.0 infra, they're going to be used in Web 3.0 infra. Like Just like RWI has offered to the world a uh, permanent storage. A permanent storage can be theoretically realized in Web 2.0, but it has a chance to be realized in Web 3.0. So that th- this thing uh, we need to use. And that's the third step for the mainnet uh, or roadmap.
0: Well, it sounds like you definitely have your work cut out for you and also a great vision for what's next for Misan Network. On the product side, can you share about what may be coming up? Uh, any details on that front?
1: It going to be launched uh, this month. Yeah, and we are prepared and do the final test. Uh, this product is going to have two features here because when we serve our users, we notice one thing. Uh, the, the demand for users are different. So some of users they, they only need to focus on the service. And they said, okay, if you can fulfill my bandwidth needs, I, I can use your service, it's okay, right? And, but apart from this, some other users, they said, I need very high availability HA, of your service, right? So the users has come to uh, different entities and they have different needs. So which means we need to divide our supply side, You, you know. For the past several months, we, we don't care how our uh, supply side what's their structure. They they are just small users, or they are very huge nodes. It's okay. They just come to our marketplace. But in the future, we we, we found we can make it different.
0: So, can you provide uh, a quick example of of this, maybe in the Web two space, and just to provide some some context of what you're thinking about?
1: If, if you take an example it's just like the airbnb and airbnb plus so if you if you just want to uh come to a cities, you want to use a low cost to to stay in this for one night or for four weeks you can just use airbnb and it's pretty good and you can make some maybe uh i don't know <laughs> you, 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 you can you can meet anyone but then someone said okay I just want to travel in these cities and I don't need to care much about, for example, do I, have, do I need to prepare my, my brews, my, my teeth, anything else. You don't need to care about that. You just say, okay, I, I need a very good service and you just tell me. I can pay pay it much more, but you need to tell me uh, I don't need to care much about my travel problems. So then Airbnb said, okay, we have Airbnb Plus. We have uh, helped you to pick some very uh, certificated uh, the 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 uh, the house owner, and they will offer you a very valuable service, and you don't need to care about much, much more, right? So I think this problem has also happened in the uh mission network. If for example, if you use Uber, the same thing happen. I mean, you, you need Uber, and also you can use Uber Premium, right? So when you are mission network, so you are most of users. You, you just use the service. You can just use a mission.
0: Okay, so how are you thinking about like the Uber Plus of Misun? What does that look like?
1: We have not have the final name, but maybe you can call it Misun Premium. So in Misun Premium, we gonna uh, have restrict to some of our suppliers. So some suppliers actually not a restriction, but we we will we'll give them the tag. For example, if their knows they have their capacity has more than one hundred units, we are gonna give them the premium tag. And then for some users, they can, they can very specifically choose the nodes from the premium tag to serve their demands. And we found, okay, if you divided these two demands, the user's gonna be more satisfied for a network, right? So, and, and for the passport, maybe we can call them a community version. So we can uh, lower the threshold to all around the world. People don't need to uh, fulfill a high threshold. They can join a network. And for the, for the premium version, they need to manage threshold and they can earn more reward. So it it's, looks like a much more healthy marketplace. Uh, so that's the second part about the product. And third part is, uh, we already have finished most of our token designing part.
0: Okay, so what does your token design look like? How does your incentive model line up in comparison to other blockchains, um, also in possibly in comparison to the BlockWeave and Arweave? What, what does that look like for for son?
1: It's it's not easy because uh, when when we design this part, we noticed there are at least uh, two kinds. Actually, they, they almost have three kinds of token models. So the first is we can see like most of network like like Ethereum, like uh Arweave is called utility token model. So people need to pay for your uh they they need to pay in native token for your network service. And the second is called security token model. It, it's it's just like the, the real world security so uh you buy the company security and you have a chance to earn their the, like sheer revenue anything else right and third is we found it's much more healthy way is to mix it right so uh for the supply side you should make sure your users uh will use the utility mo- utility token model so they they trade the resources and the token as reward. And for the demand side, uh, in our opinion, we offer the product to the world and we should not make much more restrictions to the users. So if users want to pay in our native token, it's, it's good, it's the it's best way. And you can earn some maybe some discount. And if you want to pay in different tokens, for example, you say you want to pay in Syria, you want to pay in Bitcoin, you want to pay in AR still okay, right? We should not restrict our users' uh, activities. So during that part, you need to have some like conversion entities or some like uh, network to convert these to your native token to make it happen. But when you directly use your native token, they can have a discount.
0: So is there a current kind of token model within the Arweave ecosystem that you're modeling after or an example that you look towards? As you've developed your own at Misan,
1: we found like founder founder network will use such models and it, it works pretty good. So we think these are things we can use. And then that's the third things I want to share with you for our stage and for time point. Uh, this year, this year it's it's, it's still available. So uh, this month we're gonna launch the new product and the new version. Also, we'll change lots of our documentation. It's still an old style, but we're gonna change it in this month. And then when we have launched our uh, new product version, actually this, this version we, we, we plan to prepare for our mainnet. So we gonna experience uh, maybe weeks or months of the test and also send the code to the uh, the code review agencies and then get, let them to give us a report and we'll fix some small problems. And also we can use this version to reach more Uh, we can say the demand side. So let them to join that wall, to use a service, to try the service, right? And then after that, uh, the mainnet 1.0 gonna launch within this year.
0: So there's, you know, different levels, different tiers of service, and there's different means of paying for that service. And you're combining this based upon a number of models that you've already seen, one of which is the bundler, um, now, on the ease of use side, right, this needs to be accessible for many different backgrounds. And on that side of the equation, um, whether someone wants to kind of be a bandwidth provider or what, just get involved, um, the intention is to make it like very easy to be a part of the mining process um, and... Being a part of the bandwidth surfacing, rather, um, so you're looking like to make it a simple kind of double-click type of install. You're ready to go, or what does that look like now? And how do you see that progressing going forward as far as accessibility to participate?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a uh, that's a good question. So most of users. You know, most of developers, when they try to uh, read a product or try to, they, they, they want to find some, like we call them docs or manual instructions, right? They say, can you show with me some docs so I can check how to use a service? But actually for us, our principle is just like you use iPhone or use a phone. You don't need any manual to use this product. You can, you can just play it and things going to happen, right? So this is our principle to, to design our service and our product. And for two sides, let's let's say the supply side at first. Supply side is the people or entities who offer the bandwidth to our marketplace. And how can they join our network? One minute, it's just one minute. And for people who has a tech background, they can go to our GitHub and they can compile the source or they can just directly copy the, you know, we we call the command uh, in your service then after one minute, you have joined our network. And for people who have no any background of the technology, so it's still okay. We just copy paste our lines. We have we have the uh you can call you can you can just go to our GitHub. So or you can just go to our website. It's also available. So you can just copy one or maybe one, two, three uh commands, you can join our network. It is super easy. And if you have if you don't want to use the package, you can also just compile our code from source and deploy it in, your, in your machines. So that's for our supply side. And I don't know if, if you have any machines from like a cloud service provider or any uh, service like this. So if yes, I'm sure you can 100% use the resources and you can you can, you can monetize it in this network. For example, you paid uh, maybe the service $100 or $500 per month, and, then, and you can get back $50 to $100 back. So that's a service. And second is for the demand side. Uh, yeah, lots of users just, just ask us, can you offer us uh, instructions or manual for, for how to use a service? But actually, the point is, you only need to take around three to five minutes you can use a service. You just directly paste your URL original URL in our service. So, sorry, I can't share my screen, but uh, I, can, I can tell you. You can just uh, paste the your, for example, it's called rwe.net or maybe called per, per, uh, PermaWeb.pioneers. This is the original website, and you can paste this original website in our like uh, the system. You, you, you ping it, and then we're going to offer you a new URL. You use this new URL, you use all of the nodes in our network. So that's all.
0: Got it, and another layer to this, as far as awareness and accessibility, is a plugin with WordPress. Can you share about your thinking behind that kind of integrate integration via plugin, and how you see that playing out, and how much it's being utilized thus far?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so WordPress is. Uh, I I think uh, actually I I wrote I wrote blog, and I use uh WordPress to uh write my own blog and we found that uh what's the people who, who you need to target first, developers. Uh and most of developers they have the ability to uh learn your network, learn your system, and also they can offer the uh programs they also have the program skills so they can help you to improve or to fix your, your network problems, right? Your issues. So that is why we want to target the WordPress. We found uh, actual WordPress has their own, uh, their default CDN service and they have the
0: CDN plugin, but
1: let's think why we can, why no one just bring this service to the WordPress, right?
0: There's something really powerful about bridging web two with web three. Uh, can you share a bit of your perspective on that?
1: So we're always talking about web three, web two, but people just build something in only in Web3 only. And then for the past, people just build the service in Web2 only. Then why no one just directly bring the Web3 service to Web2 World? What is Web2 World? WordPress is definitely a product used by the Web2 World, right? And then the, the CDN service powered by the Web3, we can directly use a, a very easy DCDN plugin in WordPress. So if anyone in WordPress, they want to use a Web3 product, they install this plugin, they can use our service. So that this idea, we will try to make it happen. You know, uh, I have to say the truth is most of the Web3 infra and service, they, have, they don't have very good user experience. So, and, and they are not quite product or radiant. So people are confused to use a service why not we just make it much more easier? So if people are used to use the service from Web2, it's okay, right? You, you, you think you need one click to use the service. You, you need to maybe use WordPress. You, you can regard it as CDN. That's okay, but the technology behind that was built by Web3. Then that's enough. Make a product much more easier for users to use.
0: Yeah, that, that makes tons of sense, and I really resonate with that, which is definitely why I wanted to bring it up, This this notion that, Web 2.0 has to be completely removed from Web 3.0, and Web 3.0 completely removed from Web 2.0, um, I, I think is um, not ideal. And so integrating as a source of education and opportunity to connect the dots for individuals to experience the power of decentralized networks just makes a lot of sense. So I appreciate you sharing the impetus and the interest in creating that plug-in for Meson Network. Uh, for yeah, for individuals that otherwise aren't gonna find this type of thing, they they have no idea that this is even a uh, an option. Um, so and and I you mentioned you know iPhone like experiences and and not needing docs or manuals or instruction you know booklets or whatever. Um, that is definitely an important uh, foray for quote unquote Web three because as you said, so much of the UI and UX in quote unquote, web three is just incredibly challenging. And there are so many kind of jumps and turns and twists that someone has to go through to actually do something. Um, so that, that mentality is, is appreciated as well. Uh, we're we're going to wrap up. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to ask of the listeners or anything that you're hiring for or anything on that end?
1: Oh, I, I like this. <laughs> Actually, uh, maybe some people say we, are in, we have entered a, a beer market. Uh, but for us, uh, we are always open for hiring the talented people to join us because uh, our our is always open. So the most important thing we need to uh, do is hire the people. And you can be everywhere. You can be remote, you you can you can even uh person full-time is also it's okay. So you are developers, you are designers. Uh you are the people who think uh you are, you are you want to build a product or even you want to build the community or even the branding, it's okay because uh our position is that we don't have specific uh goal for hiring people. We only need to hire people who want to join a startup who, who said, okay. Uh, web, web 2 is enough, and I want to do something in Web 3, and we can make something which change the world in twenty or fifty years later. So if you go back to twenty or thirty years ago, so you join Microsoft or you join Apple, and you build something which has effects all around the world every day. So if you have such idea and you want to have such a Welcome to send your uh, resume or any informations to us. Uh, yeah. Can, can I have a little advertisement? <laughs> yeah, this this is this
0: is you right here. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah thanks. So you can just uh, send uh, your, your your resume or any information to the uh, job dot uh, dot network. So or, or you can just reach me anywhere, anywhere, uh, anywhere, any place. <laughs> thanks. That's all.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. And in, in the show notes, I'll include links so the listeners can be sure to check out Mason, Network and all of your socials as well as, you know, just contact information for you. So, Sherlock, thank you so much. This has been Sherlock Shi, uh, co-founder of the Misan Network, an engineer, and also an Arweave weave miner. Um, and so, I just appreciate you sharing your insights and your thoughts um, from thinking through energy and distribution and bandwidth and distribution and and the state of protocols and opportunities to manage these types of interactions is is really exciting and appreciate all the work that you are doing uh, and the team at Misson to deliver content.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me today. Really enjoy the talk.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of PermaWeb Pioneers, podcast focused on growing awareness of Arweave and the PermaWeb. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Otherwise, Share this episode with friends and family and whoever else you think may find it useful and interesting. Thank you for being a part of our community of pioneering long-term thinkers securing the present and future of data.